I love the Spirit of God. We wouldn't have the Word without the Spirit, would we? And then you know what? You, can't, you have the Word, but you can't understand it without the Holy Ghost. It takes Him to illuminate the Scriptures to us. But oh, thank God for His Word. John chapter 10. If you've not been with us or you're a first-time visitor, we began a series of teachings just a couple of weeks ago that I'm calling Hearing from God. And uh, if, depending on where you're at in your walk with the Lord, that would sound like a very, you know, routine. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, I've heard that. I hear from God. Let's talk to me about that, Pastor. But, you know, for some, depending on their background, uh, that might raise an, uh, raise an alert. What? What? Hear from God. You know, we're just groping in the darkness down here. Doesn't he know that? No, the Bible says we're to walk in the light. I'm walking in the light. I'm not walking in the darkness. And like David, David said, way under the old covenant, he said, the Lord will light my candle. The Lord will enlighten my darkness. So if David, under the old covenant, before redemption, could walk in the light and not walk in darkness, how much more should we, now on this side of the cross, where the very light of the world, in the person of the Spirit, is living on the inside of us? Amen. No, we're going to read this scripture in John 10, and it'll prove to you, amen, if you have any respect for the Scripture, uh, that we can and should hear from God. And I mean, no, we did. <laughs> and it not be a ooh thing. You know, uh, this isn't the first church of the spooky weird. But, amen, we are a supernatural people, a people that live beyond the natural. Amen. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. Now, if we don't hear from God, then either Jesus lied or something's up, right? Amen. But I don't believe Jesus lied. Do you? I believe Jesus is a truth teller. He is the truth, the way and the life. And so if He said that His sheep, and I'm His sheep, Amen. You have to decide that for yourself. Glory to God. He's my shepherd. Is He your shepherd? Glory to God. If He's your shepherd, then you're, you know His voice. You should be acquainted with His voice. Amen. Now, many are not because many have not been taught. Many have been, uh, you know, God's endeavoring. I'll show you this too in a moment in Romans. He's endeavoring to lead all of us. And then when you have it pointed out to you from the Scriptures how He leads, and what His voice sounds like, amen, most will go, oh, that's what that was. Right? Amen, even though they didn't know. Glory to God. And uh, so the Holy Spirit is living in us, and He is ever advocating for our good, for our advancement. He's jealous for our safety, our well-being, and our blessing. Amen. He, he didn't move into our life so He could watch us fail intimately. He is in us to put us over in life. I agree with uh, Keith Moore. Brother Keith Moore said in his testimony, he decided really early. He said, if I could learn to hear from God, I've got it made. Now, think about that statement. If you could learn to hear from God, you'd have it made in life. Now, you would need to add one other ingredient, which he'd already added. 
That is, I've already decided I'm going to do what I hear. But see, if you could get to that place, if you could learn to hear from God and know it was Him, and you know you, know, you, know you heard Him, mm-hmm. and you decided, I'm not doing what I want, I'm doing what I hear, That's right. then you've got it made in life. Amen. I said, you've got it made in life. We're redeemed from struggle. We're redeemed from failure. Amen. But living, experiencing what we read in the Word every day, if you read your Word, amen. Uh, requires the leading of the Spirit. We have to be led into green pastures. We have to be led to know how to walk beside still waters. Amen. You don't have to turn there for time's sake, but uh, I want to give you this scripture. I came across this scripture in my studies. I thought it was, it was so wonderful. It's uh, Jeremiah 10, 23. I'll read it to you from just a couple of quick translations. The NIV says it this way. Jeremiah the prophet says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. How many of you have heard, how many of you be honest enough to even say, you've said this before? Well, it's my life. How many of you know as a Christian, you don't get to say that anymore? Whose life is it? Oh, bless God, Pastor, it is my life. No, it's not. Who told you that? Where'd you get that idea? See, people want to say, I'm redeemed. And then they want to say in another breath, it's my life. To be redeemed means to be bought. You are bought, purchased. You don't own the title on your own life. Well, they didn't tell me that when I accepted Jesus into my heart. Well, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. The Bible says that no one lives to himself, no one dies to himself. Oh yes, you have a will. You have a free will. God gave it to you. But what He expects you to do with that will is to willingly give your life into His hands. Now, if you've tried to violate this scripture, because I know know how it reads on the surface. Um... In other translations, it basically says that your people's lives are not their own. They're not capable. They're not capable of directing their own steps. The vast majority of Christians and humans don't believe that. They be- I'm perfectly capable. I have a college degree. And yet you watch. If people are following their plan, doing what they want, they will not end up where the sold-out one will end up. Oh, sure, you could get some money for yourself, you could get some fame, you could get yourself some pleasure, but you're not going to arrive where you could arrive if you would let go of the reins and learn to follow God. You know, if you learn to hear from God, He'll he'll talk to you about how to keep your body healthy. He'll talk to you about uh, where not to be so you don't get injured and hurt. Money can't buy this stuff. You can't educate yourself into long life. It's going to take the leading of the Lord to get you to long life. But thank God the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of us and He is yearning and He is working and He is jealously trying to get you to pay attention and me too. But we know, you know, uh, this whole series, the whole idea of being led by the Spirit and hearing God's voice is mute 
amen, if you're not willing to follow. And this is where, this is where we really get into all of our business. Because so much of our trouble, can I meddle here for just a second? I'm going to anyway, might as well. Amen. Is we are so self-willed. Self-willed. I'm doing what I want. It's going to be my way. It's going to be what I decide. I'm going to the church I want to go to, and I'll go there when I want to. I I mean, self-will. And God cannot help self-willed people. Because the, the, the devil will be happy to force, but never God. I said never God. I mean, why didn't the angel, why, why did Gabriel have to come and talk to Mary at all? Why didn't God just impregnate Mary in her bed while she slept? And then inform her later, oh yeah, by the way, you know, if you're wondering how you got a baby in you and you don't know a man, I've just decided to. He doesn't work that way. He's not like, he's not a dictator. If he's going to move in your life, if you're going to fulfill your God-ordained will and the call on your life and fulfill your destiny from God, you're going to have to willingly cooperate with him. But it can't be God's way and your way. You have to choose. So if you will lay your will down and say, you know what, I surrender. I mean... Like this scripture, I'll read it to you again in this other translation. Jeremiah 10, 23 uh, in the New Living says, I know, Lord, that our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan our own course. Now, humble, now that, that challenges me in my humanity. But I have to humble myself to the text. If this book says I'm not able to plan my own course, amen, then I'm not able. That means I need help. That means I need God. Sounds like the truth. Now, uh, now you understand that I'm... I'm here speaking about what I'm about to say after 25 years of experience with this lady. So now, knowing what I know now, I would have chosen. But in the beginning, I I don't know that she would have chosen me. Or me, her, based on our own selfish, carnal, natural preferences. But God... But God chose. God purposed. And I'm so glad that we went with that. Because 20, I, my testimony, I can't speak for her, my testimony is, oh, I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad. God, He knows best. He, he knew me and what I needed. and Amen, what would make me the happiest. In the, you know, when Dr. Dufresne went to go pick a wife, uh, you know, he was talking to God about it. And he said, you don't know how to pick them. God said to Dr. Dufresne, you don't know how to pick them. You picked the last one. Look how that turned out. 
She walked off and left him when the heat got hot in the kitchen. Amen. He said, you better let me pick them out. And she said, okay. And well, who did God choose? I mean, God, I mean, God's just got sometimes a sense of humor. He picked someone, a Methodist, that was newly, newly born again and newly spirit-filled, 20 years his younger, amen, and about six inches taller. Come on. Oh, but God. Amen. We need to let God put our life together. We need to let God plan our course Amen. You see, if I'm planning my course, I'm planning it based on what I can tell, what I can see, what I can discern, what I can comprehend, and all that. But God, see, He sees all. He knows all. He knows the future better than you know your own past. And he knows everything about everything. He knows everything about every hidden agenda, every hidden motive, everything in the heart, everything coming up in the future. And He will plan you. He will lead you based on everything He knows. And it gives us such the advantage. But if we're going to be led by God, we have to put Him in the driver's seat. We have to say, from now on, I am a follower. Be the best decision you ever made. Amen. Because I've learned this about God. He's not, when He leads you, He's not going to tell you everything He knows. You know, if, if most people are human like I'm human, and, and when we get a leading, we go like, well, but God, why? Tell me why. Oh, God, tell me why? 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 Why would you lead me this way? That doesn't seem right. Why? Why, why, why? Why Paducah? Why can't I stay here? There's lots of churches in you know, in Oklahoma that need pastors, why don't I got to come to Paducah? What's a Paducah anyway? <laughs> why, 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 why? Why, why, why? How's it going to work out? Oh, Y'all ever been there? Yeah. Uh-huh. And a lot of times God's just like, I ain't answering your why. Because <laughs> God's a faith God. Yeah. If He gave you all the details, told you how it was going to work out, predicted the future for you all, you're going to walk by that, not by faith. Are you with me? Yeah. All right, let's go to Romans. I know that's a, that's a big hunk of meat, that one scripture in Jeremiah 10, 23. But we should accept it. Amen. I'm not able, apart from God, to plan my own course and end up in a good way. Now, in my youth, apart from God, I proved that ten times over. How many of y'all could say, I, I, I've spent some time driving my own life and I steered myself into the ditch? You know, if you ever went to jail, God didn't lead you there. You did that on your own. I said, you did that on your own. Amen? And if you married the wrong one, you did that on your own. Yeah. And if you went bankrupt, you did that on your own. Because the Lord's not leading anybody into failure, into bankruptcy. uh, Right? If you're all tormented, depressed, oppressed, lost your mind, God didn't lead you into that condition. I tell you, I mean, what, am I off my message? I'm really not. To be led by the Spirit requires a huge ongoing dose of honesty and humility. A lot of men are so proud. Bless God, no one's going to tell them. I remember... Changing out outlets. Just a simple task. 
And I had done it so much I'd learned how to do it without turning the power off. So I thought. Human, male, pig-headed pride. Then I was using a screwdriver when I should have been using a different tool for that specific task. And three times, gently, in my heart, in my belly, I heard, I heard this. Don't do that. And then I heard it again. Don't do that. And then the third time, he said, don't do that. And about that time I did it again and got blew back about four feet in the floor. Yes, I did. Right? Amen. Because I didn't listen. Not because God didn't lead, but because I didn't listen. How many people died in a tragic way, showed up in heaven, and down on earth, people are doing their traditional thing, saying God took, when really, if the true story was known, up in heaven, Jesus is going, Why did you listen? I told you not to do that. Come on in. Your mansion's about half done. We got a hotel for people like you. Go on in. I mean, we really want to be honest. Our, 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 the perceptions we put out at many funerals are lies and smoke and mirrors. And, and I understand the word eulogy means to speak well of, but if you ever want me to do your home going, I'm not going to lie about you. I may say, we all love Brother Joe. Here, Brother Joe's body, he's in heaven today. We all love Brother Joe, but Brother Joe missed it somehow. We don't know where. But we know this, it wasn't God's will for him to leave at 40. Preachers turn young people against God by lying to them, trying to comfort them at funerals. So just know, I'm going to tell the truth about you. You ever put me down for a job reference? Just understand, I'm going to tell the truth about you if they call me. Best I know. Amen. Romans chapter 8, did you ever find that? Hallelujah. Y'all all right? Praise God. Thank you, Father. Now you realize because we started at 11, you've got to give me a little extra time, right? All right. <laughs> Praise God. Verse 14, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Turn that around. The, the, you could say it this way. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So if you belong to God, this verse says, you are, I am, to be led by the Spirit. We just have to learn how. And it's not hard. It's not hard to be led by God. Not hard to hear His voice. Look at verse 16. The Spirit, now I have my King James. It says itself, that's unfortunate. New King James translation corrects the error. says it properly. Now the Spirit Himself. The Spirit Himself. Now what does He do? He bears witness. That's what He does. Now in talking about being led by the Spirit, 
Glory to God, he says, that he bears witness with our spirit. So, uh, there are many, many ways that God can and does communicate and lead his children. But there are only two ways that every one of us is promised that he will lead us. Number one is through the written word. Thank you, Holy Ghost, for reminding me of that. After the first teaching in the series, I got to the back room and the Lord uh, told me to tell you and remind you that you're not to look for a leading where the word is speaking. So I'm, he reminded me of that. You might want to write that down. It is out of order to look for a leading from the Spirit where the Word is already speaking. Well, you know, I'm going to go home and pray about that tithing thing. No! No. You're inviting the devil to deceive you. The Word is already speaking about that. You and I are to never seek a leading where the Word of God is speaking. Well, I'm praying about whether or not I'm going to have a pastor or not. I'm sorry. No, you're not. The Word is already speaking about that. Siri said she's sorry. (laughs) Right? Well, I'm praying about whether or not to, to join a local church family. Why? Why? The Word commands. The Word is already speaking, bless you. The Word is already speaking. So don't seek a leading where the Word of God is speaking. It's out of order. And really it's a sign of a lack of regard for God's Word and it tells everyone that you let know you're doing that kind of thing that you're struggling to obey. Amen. Praise God. So the number one way the Spirit has promised to lead all of us is through the Word. So, uh, you know, like this morning, I had my fellowship time with the Lord and just some private time with Him. And as I prepared to open my Scriptures, I'm uh, scheduled to finish the book of Luke this morning, and I did. And I said, Holy Spirit, uh, I'm asking you to illuminate. I've read that Gospel many, 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 and I'll read it many, many, many more times. But God, in these chapters I'm about to read, speak to me. Illuminate the Scriptures to me. Bring me revelation. And He he does. He always does. Amen. He will quicken and highlight specific verses of Scriptures that you need for that day. He'll tell you to stand on... You know, I've, I've endeavored when I needed healing for my body to go back to a passage of Scripture I stood on and was healed last time. And when I read that one, it seemed dead to me. But when I got over here on this one, oh, it was alive, and that's where where my faith was quickened, and that's that's where my healing was brought. These little things, people, you need to know. You need the Holy Ghost's help, even as you read your Word. Wigglesworth said something I like. He he said, uh, some people like to read the Bible in Hebrew. Some people like to read their Bible in Greek. I like to read mine in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Number two, the number two way that we're all promised day by day to be led by the Spirit is right here in verse 16, that He bears witness. 
Now, you may have had the experience, I have many times, where uh, the Spirit of God said something to me in a still, small voice, and I could quote it back. I could write it down in English, what He said to me. So, for instance, uh, the, uh, just, just a few weeks before, a month or two, sometime right around the time uh, before Amber and I got married, my mom had given me a... Did she give me that gray Honda, or did we buy it off of her? Anyway, nicest car I'd had up to that point, a little four-door, fairly new Honda sedan. And uh, I, I lived off a country road, and uh, we had to come up, and there was a weird interchange um, to get up on the highway, and you would make an immediate left-hand turn, you're immediately going to go up an interstate overpass, and then there's a very complex intersection right there on the other side. Well, I'm heading that way. Well, I'm coming up on that country road curve. I got one stop. I got a left-hand turn to make, and then I'm over, going over the overpass. Well, as I approached that last turn to the stop sign, I just heard this ever faint whisper in me. And I'm green. You know, I'm new to these things back then. And I heard this, just put your seatbelt on. And I didn't put my seatbelt on. I was all occupied with, what was that? Because I was by myself. Amber went in the car with me to tell me to put it on. Put your, put your seatbelt on. And I just heard it so faint. And I'm trying to look. Who's back here? Drove a little bit further and a little bit strong. Put your seatbelt on. Hmm. I didn't do it. I'm still trying to figure out what this is. But then as I made the left-hand turn passing the stop sign, now I'm ramping up to about 55 miles an hour. I'm on the highway going over this overpass, about to, and I'm about to T-bone a guy on the other side. He pulls out in front of me, uh, going that way. And I mean, I hit him 55. There's no break. The investigation showed no, no black mark, no break. I mean 55, 50, 55. I hit him right on his gas tank. Bam! Well, back up just a few seconds, that third time, I heard him say, real authoritative, put your seatbelt on. Well, I just, I just, I reached over and put it on. And bam. And we all walked away. Amen. Now, I know what some people think in their head. How come he just didn't tell you to turn right and miss the whole thing? I don't know. I don't know. Don't, don't get entangled with weirdness. I don't know. I'm not God. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad that He communicated with me. It saved me from some injury or harm or worst case death. So He, he and, that, and He could speak. He speaks to people sometimes through visions, through dreams. Uh, I have heard of people say that they heard an audible voice and everyone in the room heard it. You know, that kind of thing. But those things are not promised to you. That's right. God can and sometimes does. But you shouldn't pray for that. You shouldn't seek that. You shouldn't go twinkle, twinkle, little star. You shouldn't do anything like that. If God wants to communicate with you in a stronger way, He can. But what He has promised to do every day is to lead you by His Spirit. How? Through the Word, number two, through the inward witness, by bearing witness on the inside. So my wife does a masterful job. I'm just going to add a little bit uh, and go further in helping you as we close to, talk, to help you identify this 
leading, this bearing witness in the Spirit. Because this is the guaranteed way. Now, before we do that, you know, Brother Hagin said one time, you know, he had slipped on some ice. Uh, or some, some way or another, he had injured his elbow. And the guest pastor took him to the hospital. And the Lord told him in the car, it's not broken, it's just dislocated. I'll talk to you about it later. So they went to the hospital. The doctor confirmed what the Spirit of God had said. It's not broken, but it is dislocated. I'm going to have to relocate it. We're going to keep you in the hospital a couple of days for observation. So they did that. So it's late one evening. The hospital, he's there by himself resting. And uh, the light in the hall, his door's open, light in the hallway, and he hears footsteps. Well, he just perks up. He's, what would you expect? He's probably a nurse or somebody going to come in. And so he looked up expecting fully to see an attendant or a nurse of some kind come in the room. And to his utter astoundment and amazement, the Lord Jesus Christ walked into his room. Pulled up a chair and sat next to him and talked to him for an hour and a half. Amen. You don't have to believe that, praise God, but I do. And uh, in the conversation, uh, he began to talk to him about many things. An hour and a half, you talk about quite a bit. But uh, what I wanted to get over to you, now he, had, he decided to talk to him about, he was considering going to two churches to minister at. One a very large church, one a very, very small church. Well, when it comes to your natural mind, you want to minister in the larger church, and you have greater impact, and it's, you don't have as big of a deal to believe for finances. Let's be honest for a traveling minister. But every time he wrote a, was sat down at his desk to write a letter to confirm the meeting with that big, with that larger church, he'd get to the end, almost sign his name, and go, hmm, and crumbled up the paper and threw it away. Then a day later, he, he, he goes, I've got I to confirm that meeting. Sat down and write this confirmation letter to go to sign his name, and he just couldn't get there. Something bothering him in here. Well, three times he did that. And then he had this positive, hmm, something about going to the little church. And then in the course, of, between the actual carrying about of those making that decision, he had this incidence in the hospital. And now Jesus, now here's what I wanted to, I brought this up to tell you this. Jesus said, now you see me here and I'm talking to you. And I'm going to tell you what to do about what meeting to go to. But I will never again lead you this way. I will never ever again lead you like that. Because, you know, never again. You'll have to be led like all my children are led by the inward witness. He said, now I'm telling you. You see me, you hear me, and I'm telling you, don't go to the large church. That pastor and that congregation will not accept your ministry. They will not accept your ministry. And he said, furthermore, furthermore, you knew not to go. My spirit was leading you not to go. Now, it didn't come in a voice. How did it come? How was this inward witness happening? He's trying to do it, but inside him... There's an unsettledness. There's a scratching. Something that doesn't fit. Something that bothers you. Not up here. In your mind, it says, big church, big audience, bigger impact, big offering. What would the natural man do? You go to the big church over the small one. That's the problem with him and then, and that's the problem with most Christians today. We're led by our head. 
We're led by our senses. We're led by our feelings. We're led by the natural. And that's why there's so much failure. I said that's why we have so much trouble. We have to learn to be led, learn to look for what the Spirit of God is wanting to do. Amen. His head was telling him, go, but down on the inside, he started, and he would crumple it up. He said, three, he said, that was the inward witness of my spirit telling you not to do it. Then he said, furthermore, every time you considered that other little church, even though it didn't make sense in the natural, there was a warm, fuzzy, buttery, peaceful, joyful feeling in your, in your heart, in your spirit, when you thought about that. That is my spirit telling you to do it. Now, I'm telling you, don't go to the big one. I want you to go to the small one, and I'll take care of you financially. Mm -hmm. He said, furthermore, that little pastor down there, half his congregation is not filled with the Spirit. I want you to go down there and get them filled with the Holy Ghost. He did. All of them got filled with the Holy Ghost, about 16 new families. Added that church, and he said, by the way, he said, that little church paid me double. Paid me double what I usually get in a bigger meeting. And when he was relating that, he said, years and years later, he said, God, Jesus was absolutely faithful. He said, he has never led me that way again. I have to be led by that inward. Even though he stands in the office of the prophet, but that prophet's ministry was for the body of Christ, not him. Amen? And you that are called to ministry, your ministry office and anointing is for others. The pastoral office on my life doesn't benefit me personally. Outside of my pastoral office, I'm led by, by the Spirit like every believer. And every single one of us should be led this way. Now, how many of you could say you've had this experience? You did something, okay? You made a decision, you went a certain way, you did something, and it didn't work out. And when it didn't work out, you said to yourself, maybe out loud, I knew I shouldn't have done that. How many of you, by raising your hands, you've had that experience in your life? Look at that. Keep your hand up. Everybody look around. Look at that. Okay, you put them down. Answer me this question. Riddle me this. How did you know? You, 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 you may not know the Holy Ghost if you came in with a cape and a red hat on, but... You did something, it didn't work out, and you said to yourself, I knew I shouldn't have done that. How did you know? You knew by an inward perception, an inward knowing, an inward intuition. Your conscience was bothering you. You did, like all of us, overrode that, did what you wanted, went with your head, took the advice of somebody else, and sure enough, it didn't work out. Take note, that. see how vast, how pervasive that experience is? I'm telling you, look to that, trust that, learn that. That is the inward witness of the Spirit. It's not a voice that says something to you in English. Amen? Look at Romans... Uh, Romans 9, verse 1. Romans 9, verse 1. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. Notice this. What's it say? My conscience also, what? Bearing me witness with or in the Holy Ghost. 
Remember I taught you in lesson one, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. And each part of your being has a voice. The voice of your body is your carnal appetites, its physical feelings, and what you can discern with your senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, all that. Then the voice of your soul is the voice of thought, your thinker. Hmm, what should I do? Here's the pros and here's the cons and here's what WebMD says and here's what my doctor said and this is what the lawyer said and this is what Auntie May said. Man, I'm really confused. I don't know what to do. We're thinking. We're reasoning. And then feelings come. Yeah. I don't like the way they spoke to me. I Pastor ain't got no love. I think, I think God is telling me to leave the church. No, honey. No, honey. <laughs> Your emotions are talking to you, not God. Don't label your little emotions, your little feelings, as a leading of the Spirit. Because they ain't. There's no place in the New Testament that says that God is going to lead you through your body. Or that God is going to lead you through your emotions. I just don't love her here. I just have these, I just lost that loving feeling and I'm just not happy and my needs are not being met. I'm just, I'm just going to go file today. I just know God would want me to be happy. That's not a leading from God. That's you not walking in divine love. That's you being selfish. Oh, but I just know God would want me to be happy and I'm just not happy and I'm just going to have to go and I just, you know, praise God. I'm going to find me a pastor who will give me a thumbs up. <laughs> You know, listen, I'm not making fun, but I'm trying to illustrate where people are making decisions. Yeah. And then they want to come in if they have any respect for their pastor. And most of them, people don't ask for counsel. They inform. Yeah. This is what I'm doing. If you ever come in and inform me of what you've decided, I won't speak to it. Even if I know you're about to go in the ditch. Yeah. Because you didn't open the door. You're not interested. You just are telling me what you're doing. And unless the Lord directs me, I'm going to let you... I'm just going to let you fail because you weren't asking and I'm not going to intrude into your business uninvited. Just know that about me. If you want to know what I think, you need to ask me. And I don't want a token ask either. Amen. But do you see this right here? So we're talking about, we understand when our body is speaking, we should. And we understand what the voice of our intellect, our thoughts, our reasoning, and our emotions, none of those things are the leading of the Lord. But that's where 90% of Christians live and make all their decisions from. But the real you is your spirit. You are a spirit. And the Holy Ghost is living in your spirit. And your spirit has a voice. And the voice of your spirit is your conscience. So here we see in Romans 8, verse 16, that the Holy Spirit bears witness with our mind? No. Does the Holy Spirit bear, excuse me, bear witness with our body? No. Where does He bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Then you combine that with uh, Romans 9, 1. Paul said, I lie not, my conscience, the voice of my spirit, bearing me witness in and with the Holy Ghost. So you get two votes in your spirit. The Holy Spirit 
will relay the will of God and what's right, His leading, His preference to your spirit. And then your spirit will bear witness through a manifestation of your conscience. And that's your mind is supposed to pick that up and, and follow that, even when it disagrees or has questions. But believers haven't been taught this. Amen? Not going too much further. But I looked up this word and did a deep dive study last week on the word conscience. Now you know, right, even without this, you know you violated your conscience before just like I have. You had this urge come up on the inside of you, even so slight. Go read your Bible. But you were binge watching Netflix right then. Or you are about to break your high score on your favorite video game. And so you overrode that. And you went with your flesh. And the flesh won. Amen. We've all done that. And you know what that feels like, right? I had some very sweet person. I hope it's okay saying this, knowing them. I think it is. And uh, we are just talking together. And, and I was, uh, as a pastor, you know, just trying to communicate. I think you could come up higher in this area. And uh, the person said, oh, pastor, you're right. And, it, you know, when this particular thing came up, I just was lazy and didn't do it. And, uh, and then I felt so guilty inside all the rest of that day over that. See, what does that mean? She's just simply saying, I, I did what I wanted, and I indulged my lazy flesh. And then I felt my conscience was violated. It wasn't a voice, but it's a, it's a sense, right? It's a, you, man, it'll let you know. You ever, I've said stuff, and then, oh, as I'm saying it, I'm getting this icky, sicky, stop it feeling in my, and it's the Holy Spirit saying, shut up, shut up. Don't say that. Be quiet. It's not coming from here. Right? But this, I thought this was good. Uh, doing all this uh, study about Greek and the different uses for the word conscience in the Bible. Uh, the first one it says, it says it a lot, is it means an awareness. I'm trying to help you before we leave have a better sense of what, to, what that prompting, that bearing witness, I don't like the word feel, but what that manifestation is like. When your conscience speaks up, it's not necessarily in a voice, but it's a, an awareness. You are made aware. You, you don't know, you don't know, but I'm just... Like when I bought my first expedition. We just looking that day. We went back to the finance room talking, but I, I was still very undecided. Walked back to my car to get my uh, driver's license. And really, to be honest, it was even more. It was even stronger than just a witness. I heard him say inside me, Do you want that? And I said, Well, yeah, I, I do. It's nice. Far nicer than anything we'd ever owned. He said, if you want it, buy it, I'll pay for it. So, I mean, he can talk to you like that. But I've made purchases. and You know, I didn't get that kind of leading about the daycare. I was just aware. I was just made aware. And when I add these other words, it'll, it'll even add more. It just seemed right. It seemed right. Not here, here. You know, you can have your head argue, but down in here, man, it just seems, it just seems right. 
God didn't tell me in a voice I could quote, hire Stacy now, put her on the payroll now, now's the time. But he made me aware. It seemed right. It seemed good to me in my conscience to go ahead and bring her on. He didn't know the, didn't the Holy Ghost know that daycares were going to get shut down and COVID was about to break out and all that? Yeah, he did, and he didn't tell me. <laughs> he didn't tell me that this is coming. He didn't say what the natural mind would have said. Hey, there's a pandemic about to break out. Daycares are going to get shut down for six months. Let her work at the state uh, and, uh, and hoping later. But that's not what he told me. That's not how he led me. I was made aware it seemed good. So I did it. And then when the daycare, we didn't even get our daycare open. I'm like, oh. I said, Father, you got me in a pickle this time. How am I supposed to pay her salary without a daycare? He didn't talk to me. It just still seemed good. So we just put her to work. And you got paid. You know, God doesn't act like what the world is going through. A lot, he doesn't act like that's a big deal to him. You know why? Because it's not. COVID, not a big deal. You shouldn't think it a big deal. I'm not trying to minimize other people's experiences, but we are a supernatural people. We have a healer. We have a redeemer. <laughs> He'll lead us anyway. All right, I'm trying to close here. I like this one. If you look up the word uh, conscience, it means a co-perception of. So it's not a perception by myself, it's a co-perception of. And that is explained by what Paul said, my conscience is bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. So in other words, it seems good to me, but it also seems good to the Spirit in me. There's a co-awareness, a co-perception. I like that. Amen. The third one means, and I like this too, it means to see completely. To see completely, to see thoroughly. In other words, when the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with your heart, even though He may not and probably won't fill you in on all the natural details, He, he is leading you with complete and perfect knowledge of everything. Amen? And it comes down to faith and trust at that point. But it, it means to see completely. It, fourth, it means to understand and become aware. You tell someone... Well, the Lord's led me to do that. What? You're doing what? You're going where? You're starting what? Right? And you don't really know how to explain to them how you know this is the right thing, but this is where we start. I just know. I'm aware. I have knowledge of. Amen. I don't know if this is helping anybody. This one I was really shocked by, but I, I, I was just thrilled in finding this out. Uh, it, the, con, the word conscience can mean to be clandestinely informed. Clandestine, that's like spy stuff. I like this. Amen. So it means to be confidentially told. It means, it means to be communicated to undercover, in secret, by stealth. In the hidden secret recesses of your spirit, the Holy Ghost will inform you. He will bring you into the know. He will alert you and instruct you. How awesome is that? 
So you know one of your children, well, I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios, right? You could be sitting down about to ink a business deal, and in secret, they think they're about to get you over a barrel. They think they're about to just really put the hoodwinker on you, and you would be hoodwinked if you signed that paper. But in the secret, deep recesses of our heart, the Holy Ghost knows all those hidden motives and all the, uh, you know, the fine print that you didn't read or your lawyer skipped over. And He will inform you. He will let you know down. If you'll look and listen. And it might just be, don't sign that, don't sign that. You're trying to sign it. What you ought to do? Push back from the table, sweetie. Don't do it. I don't care what your head says. I don't care if the invitations have gone out, you got the dress on, all the guests are here, the candles are lit, the preacher's in the altar. I don't care. I don't care. If, if he, in secret, you know, people can hide their motives. They can, they can have secret plans. They, 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 can, they can hide who they are, but the Holy Ghost knows. I tell you, you young people, I hope you're paying attention. If you'll learn to be led by the Spirit, you won't waste all your parents' college money chasing a degree you don't want or need. Marry wrong. Wreck your life. I mean, you start from here. Learn the voice of God. Learn to hear from God. You've got a made life. Wow. What an advantage we have. Oh, what an advantage we have. What an advantage we have. Number six, this meaning of the word conscience means, a, I like this too, a present and persistent notion. It's present and persistent. Won't leave you alone. Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. Amen. Amen. Brother Hagin told him a story one time. For days, he had this weird sensation, this physical sensation of being thrown from a car. And he just thought that was strange. He was busy just coming home from a meeting, had a lot of stuff naturally to attend to. He didn't stop and pray about it. And, but he would have this sensation of being thrown from a car, even such that way back then, they really didn't wear their seatbelts. But he had his wife with him. He said, honey, put your seatbelt on. She thought that was weird. And he said, I don't know, I don't know, but I've just got this, what, a persistent notion. Something about being thrown from a car. Well, he didn't stop and pray about it. And uh, his son called him and said, oh, you know, Dad, and named his niece, Brother Hagin's niece. Uh, she was just killed. She was thrown from a car and killed. Now see, how come God took her? He didn't. He's trying to get someone to be aware of that, to pray that through, to bind that work of the devil. But he was too busy. Too much in his natural. That could have been stopped. That, she didn't have to die. Are you with me? Pay attention to persistent notion. notions. It's just the way I roll, and I, I really am almost done. Y'all all right? Amen. When something just forms up inside me, and it won't leave me alone, and even though I try to throw it far from me, Amen. then it's a sure sign the Spirit of God's endeavoring to get something over to me. Right. Amen. I have no aspirations of becoming a daycare owner. Why is this rolling around in my heart? See, a lot of things, wondrous things, miracles would happen if you just stopped and prayed and checked it out. There's million-dollar ideas in this room. 
I said, there's million-dollar ideas in this room, and the Holy Ghost knows. He's a, he's a genius. So pay attention to the, to the present persistent notions that you have. Now, in the positive, right, on the, when he's saying yes, it's like, it seems good, seems right. There's joy there. There's peace there. There's desire there. Amen? But when he's telling you don't do it, it's the void of that. It's the absence of that. And in the absence of his bearing witness with your spirit in a positive way with joy and peace, all he has to do to tell you no, Carl, is pull that away. And your head says, yes, but there's no inward joy, there's no peace, you're unsettled, you're scratching on the inside, you're rolling on your bed at night. That is Him telling you, don't do it. Don't do that. You just have to learn to listen. It means to be privy to. It means to be in company with. It means an inward moral perception. You know what's right, you know what's wrong, whether you know your Bible or not. Don't, don't consistently do wrong when you know what's right. Because you will, that, that is how you reach into the Spirit and turn the volume down on God's voice. Yeah. And you put Him on mute doing that. You become dull of hearing, hard of heart doing that. And then when He really needs to speak to you, He is, but you are not dialed in. You have silenced His voice. The Bible says, quench not and grieve not the Holy Ghost. So you need to talk right and you need to do right. You need to live right and maintain a tender, sensitive, sincere conscience. The more tender and sincere and pure you keep your conscience, that's like reaching in and turning the volume way up. Did y'all get that? Don't leave church without that nugget. Save your life. Amen? And then finally, number 10, it is an inward knowing. As designed by God to know His will with the intent that it should govern our lives. God put that conscience, the voice of your spirit, in you so that even if you're the greenest of Christians, the babiest of Christians, born again ten minutes ago, the Holy Spirit is in you. And that inward witness, the voice of your conscience, is to govern your life, not your thoughts, not your reasonings, not the natural circumstances, mm -hmm. that inward knowing on the inside. Yeah. Did you get some help today? Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Hallelujah. It's just as simple as don't ever violate your conscience. Don't over.